This is Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we are going to talk about certification in your expertise. And our guest is Sharon Weinstein. Sharon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So certification can mean a lot of things to a lot of people in a lot of different industries. So what are two reasons that speakers should get certified? A, it's a risk management policy, and B, for your own personal and professional growth. All right, we're going to unpack that and learn more. But for those of you who don't know Sharon, she has built her career helping other people succeed in theirs. She encourages people to think differently, ask the right questions, get the right answers, and solve the right problems. She's a coach, a speaker, and an author. In fact, she has written 19 books, and nine of them were textbooks. Now, think back to college. Think about how big textbooks are. Those are like 900 pages. That's a lot of writing, Sharon. It certainly is, and it helps when you have some contributing authors, but it's still a lot of editing and a lot of writing. All right, so you are really positive on this idea of certification for people in every single industry. So let's start with the basics. What is certification and why should people even care about it in general? Certification in general is a mechanism that ensures quality. When you think back about the real concept of certification, it's for public protection. So when you look at certification in legal and in healthcare fields and in other fields, it ensures to the public that they are hiring an individual who has met certain competencies and who is ethical and who ensures authenticity and complies with rules and does everything that is expected of them consistent with the level of licensing within that profession. Certification is not the same as licensure. Licensure gives you the ability to practice. Certification ensures excellence. And we all want excellence. So Tom, think about it. Would you go to a doctor who didn't have board credentials, who wasn't board certified in a certain practice? No. I say to people, if you needed, heaven forbid, to have brain surgery, neurosurgery, you wouldn't go to a general practitioner for the neurosurgery. You want to go to a person who completed the education and training as well as a fellowship in that specific field so that you can ensure that that individual has met more than basic competencies. They're better than the average. They have risen above and they have done what it takes to reach that level that ensures excellence and quality outcomes. You know, in the speaking business, it's basically the same thing. What does the meeting planner want? They want a good outcome. They want to shine. They want to ensure that the individual they brought to that platform is somebody who will make them look good, minimize their stress, create a positive outcome, and have people coming back and coming back and coming back for more. So this dives right into what is your first reason for certification is it's a risk management policy, and you mean that for the person who hires you, right? Exactly. It is a risk management policy for that individual. They can ensure or assure that the individual they're bringing to the platform is somebody who will make them look good and deliver on the promise. And we all want that. A lot of people overpromise and underdeliver. Certified professional does not do that. The, the credentialed professional goes above and beyond what is needed, makes it happen no matter what it takes. Now, for certification, not just for speakers, but for people in all industries, there's usually a couple of different areas for that expertise, but also ethics and things like that. What are some of the areas that go into certifications? For clinical expertise, it's very, very different. It involves actual competencies, bedside time, other sorts of things, procedures, knowledge, critical thinking, and those sorts of skills. With 
within our field in professional speaking, but we also have what we refer to as the competencies. So there are eight competencies that we merge, actually, or shall I say there are four that we've expanded to include eight and go back to our roots. But what's really important about that is that it is competency-based, there is an ethical piece, there is a business model that we refer to as the enterprise, and there is this idea of eloquence. So it's all based upon what we know, how we deliver, what we do, and the promise of what we're capable of. So we've gotten into this idea of certification for professional speakers, and the certification from the National Speakers Association is the Certified Speaking Professional, which we call the CSP. And you have been the head of the CSP committee for the last several years. So let's talk specifically for a minute about what is the CSP, and then let's take it back to this idea of risk management policy for the person who's hiring us. Okay, the Certified Speaking Professional, i.e. CSP, is the standard of excellence within the speaking industry. Not everyone can get it. It's not given to people. You can't buy it and say, well, I've been a member for so long. I've made so many contributions. I've given to the foundation. It has nothing to do with that. It is truly, truly based on following the rules, meeting the levels of expertise, complying, meeting deadlines, and getting it done. We have so many qualified speakers worldwide who could apply for the Certified Speaking Professional Credential. They don't do it because they're unaware of it, and that onus is on us to help make sure that we share the message and tell people that A, it's available, and it's out there, and that's what's important. What really matters from a standpoint of the CSP and why it's so important to apply is it ensures that you have reached that pinnacle of success. It tells that meeting planner that you are, in fact, their risk management policy. You are the one who's going to be able to deliver on the promise and do a better job and make sure that there's a positive outcome. You are going to make sure that the audience is happy no matter what it takes. And if someone else on the agenda cancels or there's a slot that needs to be filled, you're willing to fill in. You're willing to rise up and just fill that slot and do what is needed, again, to make them shine. The idea is to make that person's job so much easier, not more challenging. So what are some of the, the things that people need to do to qualify for the CSP? Okay. The application process, I won't lie, is very intensive process. Number one, applications start early in September and run through the first week or so in January, depending upon the calendar. There are certain competencies that must be met. The first thing is, of course, to go online, check out the site, look at what's required, and follow the rules. Why is that important? There is a universal link that we've been using for the past year or so that we'll be adding to each year, removing the old files and updating new files. Those should be loaded by around the 20th or 25th of August this year because the process starts on September 1st. What's in those files? There are three programs that individuals applying need to view. And they're online now and they are video. One is ethics. We don't want to hire someone who is not ethical. One of the things I admired here at Influence 2022 in Brandon's presentation was he quoted someone and had that quote attributed to that particular professional. That's what we do and that's what we do well. So there's the ethics component. There are the competencies that are based on eloquence and other sorts of things and areas of expertise, staying true to who you are, not trying to be who you're not demonstrating platform skills that make people want to come in, come back, ask for more. There's the enterprise piece. 
And then there's the how to earn your CSP. That perhaps is the most complicated part because it involves following directions. <laughs> and we all know, we're all big people, people don't really follow directions well. So you watch the video. There are four questions based on the content in that video that you cannot move on to the next section until you have completed those questions. There are no right or wrong answers. It's for us as a committee and as a planning group to know that we have delivered on our promise and given you what you need to be able to move on. So there's ethics, there's one on competencies, and then there's this how to earn. But we're at a point in our history, the momentum is so high for knowledge-based learning, for learning competencies online. And so we have a module that has been created that takes you through the competencies step by step. We'll be doing exactly the same thing for ethics this year, which is very exciting. And we'll be using the how to earn guide to create one on how to earn your CSP. We plan to augment that with live testimonials from people who have been through the experience. Maybe they've been successful on the first try. Maybe they had to try once or twice or three times, but they've come back and they've done it again because they picked up on where they had left off. And it's easy to continue the process once you make that commitment. In the How to Earn booklet, we go through the number of presentations that you have to have within a certain period. So that's 250 presentations in a 10-year period. The 10 years don't need to be sequential, but it needs to be within the past 10 years. So you pick five of those 10 years, and you tell us in which years you've earned $50,000 or more. Those are the ones that go on your presentation spreadsheet and that you submit with your application, along with a fee that is currently $375. Once you've done that, you're in the game. And then you simply follow the rules, do what is needed. So what's needed? We have a matrix that we then send you a link and you send to 20 clients you select and they complete that matrix and tell us what have you done? How great was it? Would they have you come back and why? And it takes maybe five to 10 minutes of that client's time. But I think that by contacting your potential clients ahead of time and letting them know how important this is to your career and how important it is to them as well, they will comply and do it. I remember when I did it, I chose 35 people instead of 20, and I always recommend that because you never know. People are on different time zones. They could be traveling. Life gets in the way. We all know, we all know that. I chose probably my first 25 people from the Eastern European community because they truly understand certification. And I was told that my people from Eastern Europe got in the results within 24 hours, which is what everybody wants rather than 10 business days. And then the others were just all gravy. They were icing on the cake. But I always recommend that people go for more rather than less. You want to ensure. We've had people who have not been successful on the number of presentations because they were $10 short. <laughs> they haven't done the math, they didn't add it up, and that's really pitiful, that's sad. Fortunately, staff is very helpful along the way and lets you know if there's a problem with your application and where you need to fix it or what needs to be done correctly. But to do it right the first time, we all know, Sure. And I remember when I applied that we needed to have the 20 people fill out the, the thing. And I sent it, I believe, not to 35, but I think I sent it to like 26 or 27. And as the deadline approached, I only had 18. And the staff let oh, me know that you're not complete and you have... 48 hours or whatever it was. And I had to, you know, beg, borrow and steal to get a couple of people to fill out those last two ones. But the staff was so great to work with and they kept me abreast of where things were. 
That's fabulous because now we've worked on the matrix with John Molador. So basically the same matrix that we're using is one that is applicable across the board for the Global Speakers Federation. We're excited about that. We have a typical matrix that's very similar for the video review. And this year we're upping the bar on that as well. We raise the bar, set the standard, and then raise the bar. And so for the video review, we're asking reviewers to judge based upon what the individual submits. So if you're a trainer, you say that you're a trainer. If you're a keynoter, you say that you're a keynoter. Tell us what we're looking at because we can't ensure that a keynoter is going to review your presentation. But there are certain elements that we give them to look for that they can judge and assess and know whether or not you're good, whether or not you make the grade, or perhaps you don't quite make that cut. So how many people apply and how many people are chosen every year. How is that? How does that work out? You mentioned people who don't make it on the first time. Tell me a little bit about the application process and how many people need to apply multiple years. Okay, there is no set number of people who need to apply. This year alone, we had a very, very small class, but don't forget, we also integrated a lot of virtual sessions. So it was the first time that we accepted more sessions with more levels and different kinds of skill sets. For the class of 2023, we're expanding that process where we've added other ways in which to receive the credential. So there are other competencies that you can do and other ways of delivering your platform skills that allow you to apply and use those particular kinds of things. There is no set number of people who need to apply, as I said, and there is no set number of failure. Our goal is not to say, okay, we can only take one-third of the people who apply, or we only admit 10 people per year. It's not that sort of a selective society, if you will. The object is that if you meet the criteria and you make the grade, you make the cut. In general, this year we probably had a 50-50 ratio, but many years we go 75-25 or 80-20. It just depends on the quality of the, of the applications, the timeliness, whether or not people follow directions and get it in on time and do what they've been asked to do, which we all know for some people is the biggest challenge of all. So your second reason for getting certified was around the idea of your own personal and professional growth. And one of the reasons that I applied for the CSP, I was a brand new speaker when I joined the National Speakers Association. Association. Previous to that, I didn't know what the certified speaking professional was. And you have to have at least those five years. I set a personal goal for myself. I was new to the business. I set a personal goal. I was going to get it in six years. And I ended up getting it in five years. And I was really, really proud of that. And because I set the goal to get the CSP, I actually was able to build a successful business because you know, the $50,000 a year, I needed to earn more than that to support my family. But if I didn't clear that bar, I may never have gotten the momentum to get the business growing. So for me, the CSP was personal and professional growth, and it's the way my speaking business got started. So let's talk about this personal and professional growth around certification in general and around the CSP. Okay, I like to think about the personal and professional growth as a GPS. We all know how to use a GPS in the car. We're all familiar with that process. It tells us where we're going and gives us a sense of direction. I refer to the GPS as the goal. So setting that goal, making it a SMART goal so that there are timeframes attached to it. The S is for, um, the, the P, I'm sorry, is for the process that I'm going to follow to be able to reach that goal. What do I need to do to make that mark? to make sure that I have those presentations. And as you so wisely said, earn the money that I need, not just on 50,000, because I'm not going to be able to support anyone, even myself on 50,000. And then the S is for the strategy. What am I going to do to ensure that I allow that to happen? Personal and professional growth is really important. We often don't take enough time for ourselves to allow ourselves to grow. 
This is an opportunity to surround yourself with people who are focused on personal and professional growth, on those values that allow you to exploit, if you will, your credential and tell people how great you are, not to allow the, uh, to allow the ego to get in the way, but to say, I am credentialed in this process. And even if you don't hire someone, or you don't hire me, make sure that you hire someone who does in fact have that credential. Make sure that they bring the best to your table or to your platform and deliver for you as needed. I believe that it's really important for the personal and professional growth period. And so within our community, we require certain amounts of continuing education, which you would expect in any credential, in any business, on any platform. Platform meaning not a stage, but any platform anywhere in any space. And so we do require some continuing education and all of those guidelines are right on the internet. We do require that people follow again those rules. But the advantage from a personal and professional growth standpoint for me is truly what happens when you surround yourself with people who have that very same credential, who know what you have gone through, Tom, to get to that level, to achieve that level and who truly understand what it means, the value of it. And only you can valueize, can, can attach that value yourself to what it means to you. For each of us, it will be quite different. But that opportunity at meetings such as this and at the summit that occurs annually is exponential. That is setting yourself up for exponential growth. So let's talk about the CSP Summit because a lot of our peers actually go for the certification so that they can attend that specific meeting that the National Speakers Association hosts. And I've only missed one in the eight years that I've been a CSP. I've only missed one CSP Summit. I find it to be one of the best meetings a speaker can go to because there's only 100 people in the room, and everyone there has cleared that level that they've been working, they've been earning money, you know, they've reached that certain goal. And you share best practices, you share ideas, you get together in mastermind groups and things like that. So tell people about the summit and why that should be something they should, should attend if they have the certification. I would agree with you. When I first became a CSP, I'll be honest, I didn't know about the summit. I saw the word, the letter C. And to me, in my background, I come from an area in healthcare in which more alphabet soup, more letters after your name, much more power. So I decided if there's a credential, I'm going to get it. So I went for it. The summit definitely was the gravy. It was something that was totally different from any place that I had ever been. And I've been in multiple masterminds with multiple different levels of people with different levels of education. But never have I been in a place where people really listened to you and what your goals are or what your stumbling blocks were and how you needed to get above a bottleneck and move on to that next space. They listened, they came forth with ideas, they followed up with you. I remember Joe Calhoun reaching me after my very first one and saying, I would recommend that you do this and this. And by the way, I set up this page for you to look at to review. And I have never, ever been in a space where anyone went out of their way to do that with you. At another summit, there was someone who looked at my marketing materials and said, I would move this, I would say this, and here's a really good example. I thought that I had great graphics with great information talking about what I did and what I delivered. Emily changed it for me and said, in 90 short minutes, Sharon did boom, boom, boom. 
and that made all the difference in the world because she has a marketing background which I don't have and allowed me to see it in a totally different way so I get excited about this I think you can see the enthusiasm when I realize that some of the best value has come from those interactions with people in a small room these are small vetted groups where you are matched with people not who do exactly what you do but the groups are developed to allow you to grow and it's an area in which the new CSPs even if they're brand new in the business but have obtained a CSP are, are matched with those who are perhaps in the business for a longer period of time who might also be new CSPs, let's face it. But everyone is willing to give of themselves. And so the opportunity to be in a place, a safe space, where it's okay to be vulnerable and say, I have failed at this, or it's not working for me, is so powerful. You cannot even imagine. Well, you can, because you've been there. You <laughs> felt it. So what are some of the ways that speakers who have this certification, the CSP, what are some ways they can use it to market their business, to, to get that edge, if you will? Okay, that competitive edge is totally important. We talked about the idea of the safety policy, the risk management policy, the fact that I have something that others don't have. And again, even if you don't hire me, make sure you hire someone who does have the credential. This is what we bring to the table and this is what sets us apart and allows us to deliver on that promise, to do what we say we're going to do and to go above and beyond to make you look good. Our goal is the event planner's success. It's not about us, it's about you. So the opportunity to hire someone who is a CSP who will bring that to the table is so powerful. To me, if I were going to look for somebody, you know, I know, I'll give you an example. Recently I hired a painter and I went online and I looked at a bunch of people and I looked at their references and their testimonials and I realized, well, they're not going to list the bad testimonials, are they? <laughs> they're only going to list the things that were good and the one I chose turned out to be a total bomb. Sometimes we make that mistake. When we have thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line or on the table, we don't want to make that mistake. This is not five grand for a paint job. This is something that is going to determine that person's outcome and future and whether or not people will bring them back and use the people they bring to the platform. So for me, that is probably the most important element. So you've been on the committee for a couple of years, and the committee has been raising the standards and going into the class of 2023. There's going to be some new things around the CSP. What are some of those things, and what should somebody be thinking about who might be thinking of applying? I think that probably one of the most exciting things is this competency-based education. To go online, to go through the module, to get what you need to know what to do. We have developed over the past 18 months or so tools that allow people the do's and don'ts of how to record a CSP-worthy video. Here alone at Influence, we're having a session on how to do that, including bloopers and all kinds of things to show you the mistakes that you make when your eyeglasses are in the middle and your head is off the screen, all sorts of things. There are just tiny, tiny little things that people do that make that video not acceptable. And we want everyone to succeed. That is our goal. So being able to share with people what they really need to do and what they really need to know. In the past, when I came on as a CSP, I have to tell you, things were very vague when I first applied. And I got my credential in 2015. By the way, it was my first influence and my first NSA meeting. I happened to be lucky because I had really good records because I had been a State Department contractor. And therefore, I kept really good records for the previous 10 years of every dollar I ever earned and who was in the audience. 
it was easier for me than it is for most people now who don't have good record keeping skills. Well, I want to jump in on that because at my first influence where I set that goal that, hey, I'm going to earn this in six years, I was given the advice uh, and sent a spreadsheet by a speaker who had earned their CSP and said, here's the spreadsheet that you need. And I was a brand new speaker for the most part. Start recording everything, who you spoke for, who the contact was, what their contact information was, how much they paid you, how many people were in the room, and did you sell books or anything else in the back of the room? So I had an Excel spreadsheet that I did with every single speech. And then when it came time to apply five years later, it was already set up. It would have been it would have been really hard to go back and recreate it. And I know a lot exactly. of our peers have spent weeks and hired VAs, hired people to do it, to be able to recreate you know five or ten years of their business. So uh, that's painful. Oh my gosh, that would have been. I never would have earned it. <laughs> Yeah, that would have taken a long time. I couldn't do it that way. I I needed to be on focus. The other thing that I did, and I recommend everybody do this, get an accountability partner. When I first joined NSA, I was in the Chicago chapter. Wayne Mesmer was my accountability partner. We met, we clicked, we decided we'd walk across the stage together in 2015 in D.C. Damn, if we didn't do it. We decided we were going to do it. We held one another accountable. We used to practice in a small church with the late Jill Morgenthaler, Dr. Jill just go through our work to see how we sounded and what we did and it was just an amazing experience to be able to work with somebody who truly had your back and you in turn had theirs so i believe that everybody should have somebody working with them who holds them accountable not a family member not somebody who's going to have your back regardless but somebody who truly wants this designation for you as much as you want it for my for yourself i met this morning as a matter of fact with the president and the president elect of one of our chapters who said they were going to be accountability partners they're nice. going to apply for the class of 2023, and they're going to go across that stage together in Orlando because they made the decision here and here and now. And that, to me, is so exciting when people get it, and they want to do it, and they're committed to that process. All right, so we've covered so much ground on this episode. What else do people need to know as they get ready to apply for that class of 2023, or maybe 24, 25, 26? What have we missed? Probably the most important thing is that as of the class of 2023, membership is is no longer a requirement. Membership in the National Speakers, the Association, Speakers Association is no longer no a requirement. Longer required. Wow. And also not within any of the GSF groups. It's no longer required because a true credential, a valid credential, that can be tested and held to the standard of other credentials, does not ever tie membership as a requirement of the credentialing process itself. That opens the door for us, Tom, to hundreds of thousands of people who speak for a living are unaware of NSA, as I was initially, but who want to obtain the credential. So it's up to us to spread our reach, spread our tentacles, get out there and spread that message of membership is no longer required. Sharon, that is really exciting to me because I'm a big tent guy. I don't believe in being exclusive. I look to be inclusive whenever we can. That is an awesome thing because it opens up our, a, a touch point to our National Speakers Association community, to people who aren't necessarily joiners or for whatever reason it's not the right organization for them, but they still can be connected to us as part of the extended family. This is a wonderful move. But but think about it. Not only can they be extended to it, attached to us, look at what we're going to learn from them. We have no idea what kinds of experiences they have had and what they can bring to something like a summit. And not only that, what if they see, well, gosh, 
NSA has been involved in this in the past, and they're the ones awarding the credential. But look at the benefits associated with NSA. Maybe that's something that I should be looking at. Maybe I'd like to take advantage of member rates for things. Maybe I'd like to get the magazine. Maybe I'd like to build my own network and be part of a bigger community. So it's a win-win. The opportunity for growth is totally overwhelming, and it is, in fact, a win-win for all. Well, Sharon Weinstein, this has been a delightful conversation, and your passion about certification and certainly the Certified Speaking Professional CSP designation, it's its infectious. I'm excited. If I didn't already have it, I would apply. you go for it, right? I'd go for it. Just because you're so excited about it, I'm excited about it. I want everyone to be excited about it. And I also want to say that now that I'm stepping down from the committee, I am available. If anybody wants to talk to me about what they need to do or what's next or ask me to look at a video clip and let them know where they are in the process, I would be more than happy to do so. My goal, again, is to be here to help others to grow. Uh, That's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being a guest here on the show. And to everybody who's listening, get ready to apply for the CSP and join us here on Speakernomics every single week, where we're going to bring you more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money and be more successful as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast, speak get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.